What's happening, guys? Happy Tuesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Guys, the UFC 283 hangover is still here and coming up on today's show. I want to give Jamal Hill his flowers. I also am going to tell you guys why now is the perfect time for Alex Pierre to move up to 205 pounds, and I have a theory that I think is going to blow your mind with regards to Yuri Prohaska. All of that is coming up later today's show, but let's begin here. All right, I'm going to tell you guys something, okay? Here's the deal. I'm going to tell you something, but stay with me. I don't I don't want you to click. I, I don't want you to close out this page. I don't want you to think this is belly who or Chael's fooling around, all right? I need, I'm going to tell you guys something. Do I have your attention? All right. Jamal Hill's the champion of the world. Jamal Hill is the champion of the world. Now, let's not stop there. Jamal Hill put on one of the most dominant world title fights in UFC history. All right, let's not stop there. Jamal Hill to become the world champion in one of the most dominant light heavyweight fights in UFC history took out a future Hall of Famer and former world champion in his home country. I am not kidding about this. Now, if we're going to keep playing this, okay, Jamal Hill, who's the champion of the world, who took out a future Hall of Famer, in one of the most dominant light heavyweight fights in UFC history, in the guy's home country, has a background, an amateur background, if you will. In this case, a collegiate background. Are you aware of it? No, it wasn't on the wrestling team. No, it wasn't in football. Are you aware of what Jamal Hill did prior to getting into mixed martial arts? Basketball. He was playing basketball. And I want to say it was like junior college. I even looked into this. And one of the reasons I want to say junior college, though, is he did it for a couple of years. He went and did it for a couple of years and said, you know what, I'm going to go into MMA. So whether that many went the junior college route or not, it's, it's kind of irrelevant to my story. That 18, 19, 20 years old, that's what he was doing. He was shooting hoops. He was a big guy, obviously a tough guy, but he had some real aspirations. And that is very uncommon. The kind of folks that are drawn to basketball are not drawn to contact. I mean, you've seen basketball players, right? If somebody bumps them, I mean, they're making faces. They are, they are upset. Oh my God, give me some free points. That guy bumped me, right? It's just, it's a different, it's a different kind of guy. There's not a lot of crossover there. And I don't know if you guys knew this. Did you know that's what he used to do? His third or fourth fight in, I looked this up and now I'm going off of memory and this was about a month ago, was a five round fight. And by the way, it went all five rounds. I mean, very early in his career, this was like 15 months in, 15 months from Jump Street, he's all of a sudden in a five-round contest somewhere, somewhere in the world. Oh, and by the way, went all five rounds. Interesting guy, interesting career path. I watched him personally. I watched him on TV. I remember seeing this guy. I remember my exact words to you as I was recapping this guy. Jamal Hill, I wanted you guys to know who he is. You did not know who he was. I wanted you to know, and I said... I don't think it'd be possible for me to like this guy anymore. I liked his walkout. I liked what he did in the cage. I, I liked the way he left. I just remember making that piece. I remember visiting with you guys, and I got to see him live in person. And it was nasty. He got rolled up. He went to the ground. 
with Paul Craig. And Paul Craig was moving and stretching the arm and going this way and that way. And before you know it, Jamal never tapped out. He never quit, but his arms dislocated. It looked kind of like uh, Sakuraba Henzo Gracie, if you guys are uh, real aficionados. It was nasty. But he shook it off. He came back. I mean, I really want you to think about that, guys. The one time I got to see Jamal Hill fight in person, he fought Paul Craig. He got finished in a nasty fashion in the first round. Both of those athletes just fought on the same card. Okay? Paul Craig beat Jamal Hill easily and fast. They just fought on the same card. Paul Craig got beat early in the night. Jamal Hill closed out the night and is now the champion of the world. It's awesome. It's awesome. And that had nothing, that wasn't a bump to Paul Craig. I was actually meaning to kind of shine Paul up a little bit. You have some good ones, you have some bad ones. What a difference a day makes. What about the guy that puts his head down and goes forward, and when an opportunity comes, he says, yes, you guys do understand how this fight was made, correct? I don't think you do. I don't think you do. One month ago, Uncle Liam and Blahovitz are fighting for a vacated championship, okay? Shockingly, it goes to a draw. There's no champion. There was supposed to be a champion that night. Shockingly, it goes to a draw. There was no champion. That is the final fight of the evening. The only thing left to do before you get in the car and go back to the, the hotel is you go to a post-fight press conference. So Dana walks into the post-fight press conference. Very relevant that you understand the time frame here because there was no time. And at the post-fight press conference, Dana announces in Brazil it will be Jamal Hill versus Glover Teixeira World Championships on the line. Why is that relevant? Because Dana didn't ask either one of those guys. Dana did not call either one of those guys. Jamal Hill and Glover Teixeira found out that they were going to fight in Brazil in a month for the strap the same time you guys did. Jamal Hill put a camera on himself and released it on Instagram. He was screaming. He was saying, hallelujah. He was so excited. He didn't try to turn a gun back on the organization, say, you already promised this, you're going to have to come at me in a different way. He didn't do any of these things, and neither did Glover. There was guys who saw an opportunity, and they said yes when the opportunity came. And now Jamal Hill, a college basketball player, who got stretched out by Paul Craig, who fought and lost earlier on the same evening, has defeated a future Hall of Famer, a former world champion in his hometown in one of the most dominant light heavyweight fights in UFC history. I want you guys to be aware of that. You run your career how you want. However you want. But you will see a difference in approaches here. You will see somebody who believes, for whatever reason, I no longer need to do what the boys do. I no longer need to have the hunger. I no longer qualify. I no longer go into this category. I don't know what goes through their minds. But one guy, right, I'm, I'm, is unemployed. And another guy is the champion of the world. And it really is relevant that you see that. Because I see the sacrimony. I see the applause. I see the praise to the unemployed guy. But I don't know that I've seen an understanding 
to the champion of the world. Who was not a number one contender, who did not have a number one contender's fight. Who heard an announcement with his name, showed up in the rest of his history, and look, these stories are all over the place, right? They're all over the place. When you have guys you can work with, and you have a guy that stays hungry, and a guy you have a guy that sees an opportunity, that remembers why he got in the sport in the first place, that remembers what it was like as a little boy having a dream, sleeping on a friend's couch, not knowing where your next meal is going to be. Some people remember that, and some people forget. I'm not passing a judgment. I just want to make sure that I bring it to your attention. There's two different paths. There's two different stories that were told in the last week. You can praise a guy's negotiation skills all you want if he gets the deal. If he doesn't, he's unemployed. The other guy didn't negotiate at all. Oh, by the way, he's the world champion. You tell me which one you'd rather be. So you can't be in a position like we are right now without asking what's next. It's one of those things. And it's kind of a tough spot. Like, if anybody has the right to bask in the glow, to have their 15 minutes of fame, it's Jamal Hill. And I will tell you, like, there is something really special about having a glorious moment while on the road. There just is. That flight home, it's different. The food you eat is different. The next morning as you're kind of stumbling downstairs and people are telling you, good job, you haven't slept the night before because you're high. It's just different. That travel home, then you got jet lag. But people know it, so they're not expecting you to call them back. You're going to put that phone down for a few days. And it's hard to do when people come to you and they want to know what's next. But you have to know what's next, don't we, guys? We have to. And it's a very complicated spot. History says what, guys? History says the first thing we're going to look to do if you have a great fight is a rematch. Now, we don't turn to rematch very often, but we look to it, right? We've got to eliminate rematch before we go to contenders. So Glover retiring for us solves that problem. Now, one thing that they have done historically is you go give a real good look to that backup fighter, right? I mean, ask Kamar Usman how that worked out. Ask Michael Chandler how that worked out, just by example. You give a real good look to the guy in pole position. In this case, it was our own Lionheart. And we would love to get that match for Lionheart, not to mention Lionheart versus Jamal was the match that was supposed to happen. That fight that got broken up was Lionheart and Jamal. Well, that solves a lot of problems. There's no scenario where you can say Lionheart should not be fighting for you. Well, of course he should. He, he, he was just supposed to. It just got broken up. Just because you're adding a belt now or the circumstances have changed, you, it, it makes it really hard to say that Lionheart missed weight, and I don't have the story on that. I don't have the story on that. He had made a comment early in the week, hey, guys, chill out on my weight stuff. I don't know, I don't know why you keep making an issue of that, and then he missed weight, and it was a very big surprise. Just because Lionheart is so disciplined, and he used to fight at 185 pounds. Now, I, I don't, I don't want to hammer too far on this. I, I'm just saying, if we've eliminated a rematch, and we can't turn to the backup fighter, who do you go to? And you guys will quickly 
look at rankings, and you will quickly come to Blahovich Ankalaev. You're not wrong to do that. It's just not my prediction. It's just not my prediction. And who are you going to go with, by the way? I mean, that's a hard call. But what do we do? We go with Uncle Live because Joe Rogan and Daniel Cormier declared that he won. He didn't win. I mean, he didn't win. It was a draw. How are you going to go to Uncle Live? How are you possibly going to do that and, and do that in the face of Blahovitz? How are you going to go to to Blahovitz if it's been stated that you think Uncle Live? I mean, do you, do you see what I'm saying here? You could do it. I'll just share with you. A lot of times when you end up in these situations that are tough, they're close calls like this. You throw them both out. More common than not, when you end up in something like this, you throw them both out. You guys ever seen a head coach of a program resign? So his two assistants both apply for the head job? And the administration's going, oh my God, come on. I've known you 15 years. I've known you 12 years. We all worked it. They throw them both out. I think that that's what's going to happen with Uncle Live and Blahovitz. Not to mention... You guys don't want to see either one, either one of those guys fight. I, I I don't begrudge you for that, but what do you do? You still have to have an answer. We don't get to just keep dismissing guys. Piera. Piera is a very interesting probability. Probability, not possibility. I think it is more likely than not for multiple reasons. Well, let's just start with this. Piera himself said, I'm leaving 185 pounds. I'm going up to 205 pounds, right? We saw this side-by-side -side with him. He stands six, six foot four. Remember that side-by-side -side of Piera and Dominic Reyes? Dominic Reyes, a very good-sized 205-pounder. Piera was towering over him, but you guys remember that? I don't think we had any idea what a hard pull he was having to get down to 185 pounds until that picture and that article, that subsequent article came out and Piera spoke on it. Look, I got a motivation. I'm coming after Adesanya. Whatever his beef was, and I still am fascinated by that, to have a, to, to be as driven as Piera was to come after Adesanya, who he'd already beaten twice, I'm, I'm just very interested in that. But the other part of it was a respect to his mentor and training partner, Glover Teixeira, who was at 205 pounds. We've seen that before. Campbell asked his Daniel Cormier, just by example. So Piera came out and told us, I'm not going up to 205. I'm for sure going to 205. I'm not going to go to 205. As long as Glover is champion or pursuing the championship, he retired. I think Piera is going up. I think Piera versus Hill is a very easy sell. I, I don't know who Glover's corner was Saturday night. I don't know. I would guess Piera was in the corner. So a real natural, real easy fit here. Not to mention, Adesanya versus Piera rematch is just simply not being discussed. And guys, we just simply have not heard anything about that. Now, they could come out today and say, here's the date and we're doing it. We'll all gobble it up, no problem. Make perfect sense. I'm just sharing for you that it's been reserved. It hasn't been stated. And I think that the reason was whether it was conscious or subconscious, the Pierre wants to give a real good look. Is my, is my buddy still there? Because if he's not, that's the weight class I want to go. That's what I think. And that's a bit of a wild prediction by me. And that's not generally the way that the UFC would like to do it. Like, just by example, let's say it plays out the way I just stated it. I'm pretty comfortable in telling you that Dana did not lay that plan out. 
I think that Dana would rather keep Piera here at 185 pounds. And whether that means Whitaker, you work something out with Paulo Costa, you bring Izzy back in, I think that Dana likes to have his champion there. But this is a situation where you may not have the choice. Piera is big, guys. He is big. You cannot just keep making weight because you're physically willing to do the work. It doesn't work. You, you have to be fully committed. It is a lifestyle. You have to mentally be driven to beat that scale. And if your number one motivation was a competition with a guy who you just competed with, and your number two motivation was a respect to a guy that's up awake, you're down, you're down to motivation number three. Motivation number three ain't going to get that job done. Motivation number three does not get that weight off and get a six foot four man who walks around at 241 pounds down to 185 pounds. It doesn't work that way. Piera versus Jamal Hill. I think if Piera speaks up and gets his way, I think that that's the direction he's going to go. And you know what? I don't have a problem with it. I think it creates a bigger problem for 185 pounds. I think it's always tough, right? When the cat's away and the mice are going to play, I, I think that it's always a tough situation. Because whoever comes in and picks up the belt then behind it, right, you got, you got to live with that. Well, I'm here because he's not here. I understand that, but that's life. I think it's a harder story to tell for the 85-pounders. But as far as 205 and what are we doing, what can we look forward to? It's an outside bet. But if I'm going to give you my prediction, I think we're going to give a good look. Not announcing this is going to happen. We're going to give a real good look to Alex Pierre versus Jamal Hill. You know, guys, I, I just had an interesting exchange off camera over here. A moment ago, I had thrown a guess out there that it's going to be Jamal Hill versus Piera. Piera doesn't want to make 185 pounds anymore. His business with Adesanya is handled. Glover Teixeira has left 205. Off we go. But I don't want you to miss the point. And when we were off camera, I, I was having a discussion with the team over here because they missed the point. Okay, the, the point is not to get Piera and Jamal Hill together. That's going to be something you do in the meanwhile, much like giving getting Jamal Hill and Glover together. What you're attempting to do is to get Piera with Prohaska. Now, I don't know how much further I, I, I want to go on that thought. I think that's very disrespectful to our new champion. I'm just sharing with you, that would be the larger play. And you know what? Let's give a look at Prohaska because we don't know a lot. They stripped Prohaska. It's really important to you guys, at least according to the comment section, that he relinquished the belt. Really important. Now, that did not happen. That's the, the reason I don't tell the story the, that way is because that is not what happened. But you guys really want it to be. Fair enough. What we do know is when that belt was no longer Prohaska's, it came on the heels of an MRI of an x-ray, of a meeting with doctors regarding the shoulder of Prohaska. Do we all agree? Does everybody have the same facts here? Okay. That would tell us that that shoulder must be pretty damn bad. Sadly. But it would tell us that. We've got guys with some real injuries. I mean, we just had Francis Ngannou sit out 12 months because of his knee. We fully understood. We fully understood. Go get that knee better. I'm going back a little bit in time, but Dominic Cruz once missed three and a half years 
I mean, it was the world's most unlucky. You guys remember that? He, the torn ACL, he comes back, tears the other one, just when that the other one goes out. You guys remember when Dominic was just having this terrible luck, but that ended up being three and a half years. Now, I'm only sharing with you to get one image, one meeting with a doctor, and have them take the belt away because they thought it was going to be such a long time before he could return. That's a big clue for us. And I bring you that clue... And I'll bring you other evidence known as social media and pictures and videos of Prohaska this entire time. He's been very public this entire time. Never once was he in a sling. I mean, never once was there so much as a bag of ice on that shoulder. Forget about a cast. Forget about, ooh, we're headed out to Columbia and we're going to do this stem cells. Forget about anything. He looked good the whole time. He continued to interact with the audience the whole time. He was a tremendous sport the whole time. And as recently as 20 minutes after Jamal Hill became the world champion, Prohaska put out a piece. It was one of his best pieces. He's in the snow. And he's filming this. It's, it's all by himself, but there's snow. He's got like a light beard going. So as the snow's coming down, it's, it's hooking onto the beard. And he says, I'm coming for you. But it was an interesting piece. It was interesting because it was a threat by the former champion who never lost. I mean, he right, you, you don't need to play it that way. Congratulations on becoming the number one contender. We'll get we'll get this figured out soon. Would have been enough because for sure Prohaska returns to a world title fight. For sure. He doesn't need to lobby and fight for it. Now, I don't want to give him a hard time. I really did like what he did. I sincerely did think it was one of his better pieces. I thought it was on brand and with the gimmick of this samurai thing he's working. I just I can't help but notice there's no sling. A shoulder so bad that they took a belt off a guy. They moved on with it. They're not even discussing him. That doesn't require... A neoprene sleeve? That doesn't require a little icy hot? That doesn't require a little massage therapy? There's nothing on that shoulder. I mean, I got to tell you, this is a little bit weird. It really is a little bit weird. We, we, we're told that a guy who was drug tested a record amount by USADA 27 times over a 30-day period all of a sudden pulls up lame with a shoulder injury that does not require so much as a Band-Aid. Now, I don't have a point here, by the way, guys. This is just an observation. I'm actually not going down Crazyville on conspiracy. I'm giving you an observation. All of these things happen. His shoulder was so bad, we must take the belt off him. We're going to say that he relinquished it, even though we stripped him. And for whatever reason, but that's a big deal to you guys. The shoulder turns out to be completely unattended. Come on, guys. I mean, at some point, it, it's your witness. A at some point, something is amiss. What do you suppose it is? And, and I just want I just want to share that with you because 205 is not in jeopardy. Like, Pro Hoska is a very meaningful guy. He wasn't for me. I saw the skill. Uh, man, that's a rough guy. Very interesting angles, can generate a lot of power. He's tough. He's willing. I mean, I, this guy's a stud. Don't, 
I, did, I didn't question that. But what I just described, there's a whole bunch of those. I mean, that, that's an interchangeable mediocrity. Well, that isn't really true anymore. I'm finding this guy pretty interesting. I don't know what's going on with the shoulder thing. I don't know why I vacate versus relinquish. I don't know the worst shoulder ever and it didn't so much as require some icy hot. I, I, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know the, the, the most the most tests in USADA history. For, I, I, I don't know what to do with any of this. I can just tell you when he comes back, I'll be looking forward to it. And I'll tell you, when he comes back, he's a very polished fighter. And Jamal Hill it, it really has some street brawler to him. He really does. I don't know what I would tell you that Jamal Hill is great at. He's great at fighting. No question about that. But I don't know what I would tell you he's great at. It wouldn't just be boxing on his feet. And that's not Taekwondo. That's not karate. That's good, solid kickboxing. That, that's, that's practice room kickboxing. That is not competitive. Surreal gone. Israel Adesanya. Rosenstruck. It is not competitive kickboxing. That's practice room kickboxing. You might even call it practice room Muay Thai. But he holds up. He's durable. He's long. He's just big enough. He's just powerful enough. He's just ornery enough. I mean, there's there's a real brawler in there that's very intimidating. And I don't know what I would say about his groundwork. He, he is the least likely UFC champion in the modern era to enter Abu Dhabi and win it. But it's not to say he can't handle himself on the ground. I just, I don't believe that he's he's a black belt. I mean, I, I just share with you, he's a, he's a very interesting guy. These are all compliments, by the way. These are all compliments to Jamal. The fact that he was a college basketball player in a JC, set a goal, and is now the champion of the world. These are compliments I'm giving him. But you bring him in, and you're juxtaposing him with his exact opposite. Prohaska is a master. He is a masterful striker. He is a masterful grappler. He is a masterful jujitsu practitioner. I mean, I'm just sharing with you, you've got a real juxtaposition there. And the idea of getting those guys together, I think it's very compelling. Not to mention, where do you go from there? You get those guys together, you're bringing Alex Pierre into the weight class. I think the tool five is in very good hands. And that will just give you enough time for Blahovitz or Uncle I have to take one more swing at the ball of being interesting. I don't know that we can count on either one of them, but it will buy them a little time to attempt to do it. I think 205 pounds is in a very, very healthy position right now. All right, guys, I want to transition away from UFC 283 so that we can take a look ahead at UFC 284. Alexander Volkanovsky is moving up to take on Islam Makhlchev. And there's one guy in particular who I know will be watching this fight very closely. Charles Oliveira made a cameo of sorts over the weekend, right? They're out, out in Brazil and he popped in. I, for whatever it's worth, he looked great. He really did look very good. He looked happy. He didn't look like he was pulling out, right? Most times that we see Oliveira is on fight week. He's got to beat that scale somewhere in there, but... He really did. He looked he looked full, looked like a 70-pounder. A Hair was the normal color. He made a comment. He said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be fighting Islam again. He said, I had 10 minutes off. I took 10 minutes off, and it was, by the way, it was in that fight. Make no mistake, I'll be fighting Islam again. I'm gonna come back, I'm gonna fight around April. If God blesses me with a victory, 
And the rematch with Islam will take place later this year. That's a quote. How do you like that? Right off the top of my head. Okay. Now, the God stuff, I got to tell you, the God stuff always makes me a little bit uncomfortable because there's an implication that God played a hand in a cage fight that in some cultures is even illegal. I mean, the whole thing's just weird for me. But okay. So he's got to get a victory. He's going to get in there with Islam. He's basically telling us, though, that he's one away. He could be right. Like, that would make sense. I'm just curious who that one is against. Who is it that Oliveira would need to fight? And I don't think there's two fights for Oliveira. I don't think there's three fights for Oliveira. There is one. You go look at the page, there is one, and his name is Benny Darouche. Not maybe, not sort of, for sure, it is Oliveira versus Darouche. If it isn't Oliveira versus Darouche, somebody blinked behind the scenes. The mere fact that Oliveira and Darouche has not been announced yet says somebody behind the scenes has blinked. There is no scenario where the second floor of the Ultimate Fighting Championships, located in Southern Nevada, has not attempted to put Oliveira and Darouche together. So if that fight isn't going to happen, somebody blinked. I'm just letting you know that. This is the way we used to promote fights, by the way. We used to come out and make these things known, just like the playground. If one guy chickened out, we let the world know. I have no inside information. I guarantee you I'm right. And that's the fight to make. And if Oliveira is one away, that's the one. Right there. Can he do it? Can he beat him? It's, a, it's very interesting. He said, I'm going to be fighting in April. Guys, April. Goddamn, that's close. My birthday is in April. And my wife has already asked me, what do you want to do on your birthday? I mean, that's, it's not far away. Is he in training? Is he in preparation? Is it really in April or is that just a date that he threw out? I don't know. I've got to take him at his word. He doesn't say very many of them. He said something and I think it's very interesting. And if he is going to be one fight away, that's the fight that he's got to do. And that really gives us something to look forward to. Oliver versus Jerusalem, that really gives us something to look forward to. And that would draw him into Islam. He believes, and moreover, based on the statement, if I'm a literalist and I'm, I'm choosing to be right now, it also means that he believes Islam is going to beat Volkanovsky. And that seems to be a theme that just won't go away. And I, and I, and I got to tell you, it's actually aggravating me. How, come on. How childish do I have? How immature could I be? But I, I mean it. It is invoke, invoking an emotion inside of me when people continue to act as though Islam is going to go right over Volk. Somebody is to blame. That's the part that pisses me off. Somebody's to blame if that's true. Because a professional rankings committee, as a matter of fact, the only one that even exists, has Volk at one and Makhlchev at five. So either they are wrong and bad at their job or Volk has an opportunity here. And there's something about the dismissal of him. If Islam's going to beat Volk, how's he going to beat him? 
And whatever your answer is, he's going to have to do something that has never been done. Is he going to outstrike Volkanovsky? Fair answer. Is that what he's going to do? Okay, great, because that's never been done. Is he going to out-wrestle him? Is he going to take him down and keep him there? Okay, great, I'm cool with that, but it's never been done. Is he going to submit him? Is he going to submit him using his neck, using his arm, or using a lower extremity? I'm open to whatever you want to say, but it's never been done. Is he going to go all 25 minutes and push harder than Volk and get favor with the judges? Great, but it's never been done. And the continual idea that is a foregone conclusion is very interesting to me. We have seen bigger guys take on smaller guys. It does not work out. We have seen smaller guys go up a weight class and clean house. But for some reason, Volk doesn't have an opportunity here. Now, that might end up being what it is. Perhaps Chael is the one that's wrong, but I'm not, I'm not going to take it on the chin. I'm going to pass it right over to the rankings committee that has an opportunity to change it every Tuesday at 9 a.m., and they haven't. They've kept Volk at one and Islam at five. And that seems to be a piece of the story, and it seems to be a level of responsibility owed to the story that we're conveniently looking away from, and I don't know why. So Charles Oliver believes two things. First off, he believes Islam's going to beat Volk. Secondly, he believes that he himself is one win away from becoming the number one contender to a championship that he used to have. Now, we were told that he was offered an immediate rematch. I've always questioned the validity of that story. Because Volk and Islam made this fight right here in front of the world for us all to see. But then we were, we were told this. The audience was told that in spite of that face-off in the locker room, Charles was offered the match. And that Charles said, no, I'm actually going to take my oars out of the water. This has been a long, hard grind as champion. I'm going to exhale a little bit. Fine. Fine. But, but I personally have questioned the validity of that story. I am going to repeat it for you in those terms. And if Oliveira comes back, it's, it's not maybe. It, it, it's not. It, it jumps off the page. It's Oliveira versus Benny. Or behind the scenes, just so you understand, somebody blinked. To close out today's program, I want to tell you one of the dumbest ideas in all of combat sports history. Boy, the charity of boxing, I, I got to tell you, I can't blame them. That's a culture that no active fighter started. I'll just tell you that it is disappointing, right? And it really is when you hear like about these fights. You cannot see Mike Tyson where he doesn't have his hand out. I mean, Mike, Mike Tyson is one step away from the guy on the corner holding the cardboard sign. I don't say that to tease him. We're the gentleman that, that, that goes out there and holds the sign. I'm just sharing for you. This is a guy that's supposed to fight. He's supposed to get up and go get it on his own. He's supposed to get up and go out there and earn. He has the physical capabilities that you could only dream about. And everywhere he goes, he's a victim and he's begging. And it's very strange contrast. So I see Tyson Fury come out over the weekend. 
and Tyson Fury finally clears up for us what we're going to do with Francis, right? Finally clears up, because they've always said they're going to go make up a sport, right? These two were going to go do a game. They were going to do something, but it was going to be combat related. For reasons unknown, they weren't going to box. Francis offered to box. For reasons unknown, Tyson did not accept that invitation, and they were going to go make up rules, but Tyson finally laid out for us what they are. They're going to fight in a cage. I have no idea why. They're going to go fight in a cage. Fine. They're going to wear four-ounce gloves. Okay, I have no idea what They're going to go wear four-ounce gloves. Okay, fine. They are then going to follow boxing rules. It's going to be the rules of Queensberry. And if you guys ever hear Queensberry, that's some jerk that wants you to think that he's a aficionado on boxing. You could say Queensberry, or you could just say Western boxing. You could call it Olympic-style boxing. You could just say boxing. It's all the same thing. But Tyson went out of his way to say Queensberry. And I got that same douchebag in me that he has. I also like to say Queensberry. I even made a t-shirt one time with a guy standing like this that said Queensberry. I mean, I, I get it. I'm just sharing for you guys what this means. And they're going to have Mike Tyson as the referee. Okay. So, I mean, I, I, I put this out here, right? I, I started this whole thing by telling you what, what a beggar, how disappointed it is to see these boxers as beggars. Guys that are taught to fight, to go out and get it on your own, that have physical capabilities that other men could only dream of. But they don't know how to actually go out and get it on their own. They just don't know how. And I bring it to you because to watch Tyson Fury beg was surprising. It was surprising. I, I don't want to call it disappointing. I'm real close to calling it that but I don't want to call it that. So Tyson comes to us with perhaps the dumbest idea in sports history, perhaps. He knows it is. But if somebody's willing to write a check, he will, in fact, go through with it. Now, if somebody's not willing to write the check, of which they obviously haven't, which is why he's pitching the idea, as opposed to having a promoter pitching it to him, he made it ridiculous enough that we can all stand back and laugh. And he go, I thought I was just kidding. I was kidding about that. Well, I'd have done that whole thing, but I mean, I had to say, if Tyson's not going to ref, I mean, the deal's off. Like it was just ridiculous enough that nobody had to actually put their name on it. Nobody had to actually stand by it. And that's weird. So what would have to happen to get Francis and Tyson in there. And, and that's a very difficult negotiation unless Tyson doesn't want it to be. And there could be something within Tyson Fury that would react unlike what we would predict anybody else would react to. He, he has a real interest and he has a real respect for Francis. He has a real interest and a real respect for the sport of mixed martial arts. Tyson Fury does. It would mean something to him to go out there and fight Francis, and he does care about that. He cares about you guys and entertaining you. That's sincere. Most guys will tell you that it's just as a way to get your money, right? It's like you're having a business meeting, the guy opens his briefcase, and there's a Bible, right? I mean, the guy's getting ready to screw you. Tyson actually means it. He really does care about you, and he really does want to entertain you. He also would like for his own mantle to know that he beat up the UFC heavyweight champion. That's true. Well, how much does that desire willing to shave off some zeros and commas. 
And if the answer's a lot, you would get a lot closer to having this fight. But but if you were to sit down and tight sit, you got to understand. You, you must understand. Francis's number to be the biggest number, to have this make sense, it is substantially different than Tyson's. And why I say that, if Francis could go left or he could go right, right? Left is with the Gypsy King and right is something else. He'd rather go with the Gypsy King. But the Gypsy King has 10 options that can all pay him the same. Do you, do you understand the difference? So we really do need Tyson to be very willing here. To, he's got to be willing to take a haircut. So then you've got to go out and you've got to find a promoter. Now, the entire sport of boxing is predicated, built on, exists, and will continue upon the idea of some guy losing money. That's all the way down at the grassroots amateur level. Somebody is willing to come in and coach this for free. Somebody is willing to keep these doors open at a loss. Somebody is willing to kick in merch. I mean, at the, at, the, at the very smallest levels, then all of a sudden when you get to the pro level, you get some guy that got picked on in high school that wants to be in the tough guy business. So he's got a little jinjang in his pocket and he'll write some checks so that his friends come down. He sits in the front row and he gets to be the promoter. I'm not teasing you. I'm sharing with you. That is why, and that's how boxing exists. So if we're going to get somebody like that to step forward to do this fight, okay, big problem. And you could find them. The Middle East is doing some silly things right now just for entertainment. Now, that's not really a business model as much as it is a hope, but every now and then things come together. Because if you get some, some local yokel that's going to come together, grab a cage, get some distribution, and go for it. This is his big moment, his big, his big fear rate. If he does not have goodwill within the industry, they'll shut him down. You guys have no idea how vicious the games behind the scenes will be. If you go and you grab Fury, boxing's not going to be crazy about And you grab Francis, is not going to be crazy about They're going to act like they don't care. They are going to counter-program. If you do not have goodwill built up, if this is not a real promoter who can call the boys, huddle up, and say, here's what we're going to do, you're going to have a real problem on your hands, just right from Jump Street. So now if you do get somebody, you're going to go out and do this. I mean, what do you need? What do you need? If, if, if Fury can go and get 25, he can fight 10 different guys, he can go get $25 million. I mean, what do you need? You're going to do a million pay-per-view buys? $80 a buy, half goes right to the satellite companies, other half comes to you, you've got some live game. I mean, I'm, I'm just sharing with you. Like, wh What kind of things do you have to have happen? Who has to come to the table? And, and why are they being serious? I mean, that's that's another one. That's another one. It was disappointing to hear Fury talking so stupid. Because he doesn't generally do that. He really doesn't. Fury deserves a lot of crap. All that singing and all that stuff that he does for you guys, that's, that's truly because he wants to entertain you for your money. For him to come out so stupid and then make Mike Tyson the special guest referee... I mean, come on, we've all done it, right? We we all recognize this. We've all asked the girl out that we're not really sure is going to say yes to us, so we put a LOL in the text message. Like we, We've all done this. But to watch a guy in that position that could command, should have the connections, should have already had this done behind the scenes, should have been able to come out and make an announcement, instead lobby a joke, 
to the world with pieces that just simply couldn't. I mean, it was just weird. Are these guys going to do it or not? If they're going to do it, why are they doing it in a cage? Why are they doing it with four-ounce gloves? Why are you calling boxing Queensberry? I mean, why, why don't we make this real simple? Tell me that. Why don't we make this real simple? Because then we'd have to do it. That's why. We make it complex so we can make it corny. So we can get out of doing it. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And I want to remind you, if you just can't get enough of old Uncle Chael in your life, you can find me on Twitter, at Chael Sonnen. Give me a follow there, and I promise you won't regret it. I'll be back with another podcast on Friday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.